Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Greg's Garage Pod with co-host Jason Pridmore, presented by Bike911.com. Bike911.com. Need an attorney? Need someone to speak your language? Motorcycle enthusiast? Alex Asante. Go to Bike911.com. See what services they have. See if they can help you, maybe with your contract, in an accident, something. Bike911.com. Thanks for supporting the podcast for all this time. I'm Greg White. Joining me is Jason Pridmore sitting at home in California. Hello, Jason Pridmore. How are you? G-Dub, I'm Oops. good. I'm uh, hanging. And you're right about Alex. I mean, the guy is an enthusiast. He's he's kind of like one of those guys that does a lot in the motorcycle industry, but kind of sits back a little bit. So yeah, yeah, big thanks to him. But yeah, all good here. It looks like it's nice to be home. And um, Yeah, when did you get back from Chucky? Well... I I was at Chuck Walla till Friday, and then I went over and I um, went to Glen Helen on Saturday, Sunday. Rap, rap, and Yep. Rap, a little rap, moto. Rap. And I'll tell you what, and I know you did the Outdoor Nationals. I know you did those. I know you commentated those for motocross. And you watched the TV, and, and you know, you'd hear you or, you know, any of the announcers now, Weege and all that, they just, you know, they talk about how rough the track is. And you – I the respect level just goes up so high because I'm just racing in novice classes because I'm not very good. So, um, but when you see like a, a pro go by you and the track is as rough as it is, it's like, it's like you're not even on the same track. It's like, I'm like, is there, is their side paved? And that, cause that's where I need to be. I need to be over there where it's paved, not, not in the dirt. So that's what it felt like. And, um, but yeah, it was it was incredibly dude. It's just like archery. Rough. It's just like in archery. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> no, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding oh, all you Chuck Walla haters out there. I'm just kidding. Hey, by the way, mm-hmm. that all got done way before I even. I didn't even know about it, and then I was being. Then I got told about it. So mm. yeah, there were some other cul- culprits. For all you people who gave me that little gift that Jeff White was responsible for, mm-hmm. f you. Thank you. That's, that's not very nice, Greg. Mm, well, what if there are some of your loyal listeners? Sorry, loyal listeners. I'm not yeah, telling sorry. you what it is because it's just it's it's atrocious. It's awesome. Anyways, it's I got home. I got home Sunday night, and it's nice to be home. And um, yeah, kill this podcast. I Man, saw your post, so tell us about it for those in. people that are on the gram. <clears throat> you're, you're, you're trying to get to Mammoth. You go. You go yeah. to where's it? Glen Helen, right? Yeah. So Glen Helen. Essentially how it worked out, real quick story. So uh, 30 years ago, I had a friend of mine who went to Mammoth who was a really good buddy. And I always said we'd go back up there and do it together. He has since passed away. And so this year, it just worked out. I've got my buddy, you know, Nate, his kids race up at Mammoth. And Mammoth is just, um, they only open it once a year. But it made such an impression on me like 30 years ago, Greg. Um, And I'd always wanted to do it. But my race schedule always kind of got in the way of that. And I didn't want to. Um, do something silly in the middle of my season either, but, um, I don't know what got into me, but in January I decided I'm going to go try to do mammoth. (laughs) So there were six qualifiers. Glenn Helen was the first one. Once you qualify, Greg, you're in, I went there literally for track time. That's what I went there for. And, uh, it was great. Josh Hayes showed up on Saturday. So of course he's given me tips because I really motocross has always been something that's been very difficult for me. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and I went to I went there just thinking if I could qualify or if I could just get a couple days under my belt. 
there'll be other qualifiers coming up that I might have a better chance at. And um, I ended up qualifying for both my classes uh, this last weekend. I had to get, I did the over 40 class. So I was like one of the oldest in that, sadly. But I ended up, <laughs> I ended up seventh overall in that one. Nice. I tipped, I tipped over in the second moto uh, really, really slow, but it was like on this downhill part. So it was hard to pick the bike up. And I was already, I was already spent. I was, I was petitioning for two lap races instead of four or five or whatever they were, but they didn't listen to me. Like a road, um, like a rain road race or people oh like, my hey, gosh. you cut the race in half. Oh, and it was just so rough. And it was, uh, yeah. And I had four motos to do that day. So I ended up, I ended up finishing uh, eighth overall in the over 40. And then I had to finish top five in the over 50 and I finished fifth. So it, it ended up punching my ticket to Mammoth. So I had all these crazy thoughts of like, even you and I had talked about it, I think of, you know, if the bagger race on Saturday ends early enough and I can get to the airport, there's a flight out Saturday night because there was another qualifier here in California mm-hmm. on Sunday. So I was going to have Nate take my bike and everything. I was going to fly in Saturday night and try to do, figure the more opportunities I had, the better chance I had. But, uh, but I was lucky enough to get through. And, um, now I don't have to think about it. I'm already in, so I'll be going to mammoth. Uh, I guess it's like the third or fourth weekend of June. And, um, it's right after Brainerd for us. Greg. Okay. So I'll, I'll rip home on Monday and then, and hopefully get a day on the bike and then rip up to mammoth and just enjoy that weekend. I'm going to take my mom with me and, and all that, but it was just kind of a bucket list thing, you know, cause it's so beautiful up there. That's great. So now, yeah. now all of the stuff you do is just training. Will you go race again Correct. just to get more gates? I think I will. Although, although my starts were incredible. Like that was they the one were thing good. I, I saw the one video you sent me of <clears throat> yeah. you popping off. Yeah. I, I, uh, you know, Nate was with me on the line. And so the race ahead of us goes off. So he's kind of preparing my gate a little bit. And he says to me, Jason, when, when was the last time you actually raced motocross? Like actually took a gate drop. I'm like, man, I, I said 20 years ago, it might've been longer than that, but I said 20 years and, uh, and then Greg, I got such a good start that when I got up to turn one, I was like, uh, what do I do now? Like, <laughs> like, like I wasn't really expecting to be like top two guys. I was second, I think, as we tipped in, but mm-hmm. it was only cause I let off cause I was too scared. I didn't know what I was, <laughs> I didn't Dude, Jay, know what I was there. doing, but I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. So first time I rode moto was, <laughs> I, you may, I know you remember this first time I rode moto was, uh, uh, a Sunday arena cross. So they arena cross oh, used God. to go Friday and Saturday nights. Yes, and then they would mow down the big double, and then on Sunday they would have like regional races. And I had never ridden a motocross bike, so this was a made-for-TV event <laughs> for the old show Bike Week at the time. Larry Myers was hosting it, and the producer Chris Bond, who is currently the producer for Supercross and Motocross, and has been for the last fifteen years, lives actually here in Raleigh. He's a really good dude. So he comes up with the idea. He's like, "You've never ridden a motocross bike in your life?" I go, "Nope. The only only dirt bike I've been on." was the XR100 at freaking American Super Camp. Yeah, and yeah. That's it. So he goes, we're going to get Mad Mike Jones. You remember that dude? Oh, yeah. No, I remember the story, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah, this, so we, get a, yeah. We, get a, we get a brand new Kawasaki KX125 from a dealer. This is in Baltimore. And we get Mad Mike Jones, and I get And the arena crosses are usually in the winter, so it's probably freezing cold out. Freezing cold out. Yeah. But, but it was in, in a little arena in downtown Yeah, yeah, Baltimore. in an arena. Yep, yep. But still, the doors open because that's of the what fumes, I mean, right? So it's freezing. Whatever. Yes. So I get I get ten minutes on the bike, and um, I'm just total goon, right? Because all all I know is American Super Camps. So I got my elbows up, I got my knees bent, and they're shooting video of this, and he is just pissing himself. Mike Jones is pissing himself, laughing. So anyway, there were two two races I had to do, I think, and uh, at least two, and I remember getting the whole shot. 
but it was yeah. like straight arena yeah. straight yeah. and then a left then a left yeah and i couldn't turn left so the first yeah. one i'm like ah! i get turn one first right into the wall just oh, fuck, boom right into the wall <laughs> and then the next one the next one i was like on the outside so i go and i get the whole shot again and i start to lean the thing over and this dude just plows me and my my pinky yeah was on the outside of the handlebar like the yeah. you know like the grip Yes. And it smashed up against the arena wall. Oh, good and times. Crushed my pinky. Good times. Here's the worst part. I beat a guy, same guy twice. Yeah. That guy's like, probably doing a podcast right now talking about like how he got beat by Greg White. Dude, that hopefully that guy never rode a motocross bike again. Yeah. So, and then and then the, the, the postscript <laughs> to that, Jay, is the next week is when I was out at your house. At, oh, it was. Was that when it was? That's when it was. It was the very that's next funny. week. The very next we week. To, so I go to Jason's house out in Cali. We go to Piru, Piru yeah. which was now Orange Grove or something or whatever. It's gone. It's been it's gone, gone for 15 oh, okay. years. Yeah. So we go to Piru, side of a mountain, up and down. Um, I reverse the shift into fifth gear thinking I'm in first. Going up a hill right in front of me and all my friends. I, right, we're sitting on the edge of the racetrack in our because like, you could back the vans up to it. And we're watching Greg try to go up this little hill. And he's upshifting, and the thing's in like fourth gear up this, you know, the thing is on a 125 on top of it. So the thing, it was brutal. We were dying. We were dying. I'm ah, so. just slipping the clutch, trying to get this yeah. thing to move. It's like was Richie it's like, there. Richie might have been there. Maybe no, Corey Richie Newer. was there because Corey Newer was there. Up, Richie yeah. was there because what ended up happening, Richie Alexander. So what ended up happening was I fried the clutch. Of course. We had a clutch, or we went to the dealer and got a clutch, and then Richie replaced the clutch for me. And then there was that like uh, kid's track that was up the hill <laughs> to That's the right. left. There was like a That's kid's right. track. And you guys literally like, because we were there for like two days or three days. Like, and then go you go, there. just go to the kid's track, dude. Don't yeah. even bother coming down here. Because I remember, like you were saying about like pros, like, you know, because like I remember being on one of those downhills, right? And just riding the rear brakes. I was so scared. I didn't know what to expect. And I remember there was a guy out there, and I, I I know if I said his name, you would remember him out there. And he jumped clear over the top of my head, yeah. and I was like, I can't be on this track. I'm too. There was dangerous. a couple guys that used to go there that I remember. Like, if this guy hits me, we're fighting. And it was like a it was mm-hmm. a top top level guy, mm-hmm. but it was like it was it was literally like having um, somebody that rides at the highest level of Moto America or whatever, and just a like. Just being rude to people on a race. Oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. At a people that, you know? and getting real close and, and all but that. But he yeah. would jump people and do things, and I'm like, that guy gets near me, we're fighting. Like, um, yeah. So no, it's it's look, moto's a lot of fun. There's a all the a lot of the road racers are amazing at it. They're so good at it. I just never was good at it, and I think I've been working on fitness and just trying to get myself a little bit better shape this year going into 24, and and um, and moto, you know, helps with that a lot. But man, I just couldn't, I couldn't believe how rough it was. It was, yeah, it was, it was amazing. So yeah, so Mammoth's where it's going to happen. I'm looking forward to going up there and um, yeah, we'll just see how it goes. It'll be, it'll be for a good story anyways. And there was a lot of people, Greg, that really helped like put this together. Obviously Jeff Wheel um, sent me a couple helmets, which was incredible. Um, big thanks to him. Heath sent me um, some A-stars from, from Alpine Star sent me some boots, um, which are unbelievably comfortable. Um, and like a shout out to Cam Peterson. Cause he helped me get a little deal with Troy Lee 
And oh, um, that's great! I got, um, I got, oh, some, you got some, new some gear? nice gear. Yeah, Cam was amazing in that whole deal. Awesome. Um, Kawasaki gave me a bike to do this on. So big thanks to to Brad Pitts at Kawasaki. I essentially called them and said, "Craig, I said I kind of told him my plan about this because I'm kind of doing this in memory of my buddy Mark." Um, mm-hmm. And so I kind of told him the rundown of what I was trying to do here and how it was a bucket list for me. And he goes, Jay, I think we got a, we have a 450 down here. It's not a 2024. It's a 2023. And I said, Brad, it could be, it could be a 2003. It wouldn't matter to me. It's going to, it's going to go the same speed no matter what. So. Hey, listen, Um, if it was a 2018 Suzuki, you would have won a freaking supercross race. We'll talk more about that later on. No kidding. No kidding. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Let's, Let's get on with it. Is is uh, no, I know dude, we got I'm, some I'm, news, listen, news you, you, presented you know, by Ryan. You know what you my view it. is? I'm so happy you're out there riding. I'm happy that you're in <laughs> yeah. life crisis. I'm happy that I am you got fully. a bucket list thing. I, you know, I just want you to be safe. And the thing I worry about is your ankle. And, you know, obviously. Well, the, you know, and, and, and to your point, a lot of people have said that. But I had an MRI on my ankle and I sent it up to the doctors. Um, there's nothing. I can't really do any. I can't. My ankle's never going to get any worse than it is. So <laughs> in a way, great. in a way. That's a good thing for me mentally because I've worried about it as I got older, how much worse my ankle is going to get. But it is just kind of what it is right now. And it's really had me rethink, can I just go through the rest of my life with it the way it is? Because there are days when it's fine and then there's days when it's shit and then a lot of in-betweens. It's like like any of us as we get older, there's going to be body aches and things. But my ankle's just been bad for so many years and and people know that. But but I can't really do anything worse to it right now. So maybe, maybe you'll Sadowski the thing. You know what I'm talking about? So there's no. a famous story with Dave Sadowski who won the day, you know, Daytona 200 in his career. He had a tire explode on him on the front straightaway oh. and he bounced down the front straightaway and he claimed that every ailment that he had, every bone that was this and this was out of joint, it knocked it all back into place. Oh, wow. I was there for that. 91 race of champions at Daytona. I was oh, there, wow. watched it. Watch the tire explode, and what a horrifying thing that was like mm-hmm. back then. I mean, that was when that was kind of the start of when things like that started to happen at Daytona, mm-hmm. and that was '91. Let's not forget, like yeah, we raced superbikes till a 2000, long time after that. They, they were there forever, and and man, when we get ready to start talking about Daytona, I can hardly wait. And it might not be on this podcast, but but I mean, we did have an announcement yesterday that we'll put in the news. Um, I'm not sure if Greg put it in there yet or not, but. Uh, cause I haven't looked, but, um, yeah, why don't you, why don't we catch us up with some news presented by a ride? You dub. Sounds good. Ooh. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Helmets made by the dedicated hands of those who work at a have shown examples of supreme protection for decades. The numerous improvements by their experience and personal desire to further the protection of riders heads are among the many unique reasons the ride helmets performs the way they do from our very first helmet to those we make today rider protection remains our first priority and we at arrive shall never forget the value of what we have been seeking to protect is priceless do, 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 do. all right let's see jason let me turn this music down because you know i'm on a single screen working thing here uh, in the news, Moto America brings back Royal Enfield Build Train Race for 2024. And the number one plate, Michaela Moore, returns. I love it because like other riders are going to have to catch up to her. because She dominated, won everything. What are your thoughts about Build Train Race? 
Well, it's, it's great. I mean, it's great on a lot of different levels of how they get the, the bikes built. I think they go and do a test in Texas, I think soon. Um, yeah. I, th- I believe, because there's a couple girls that, um, I know Lauren, um, she races uh, in build train race. And so she, I think, I think they were going to Texas, but you know, they go down there and they do some training and they get, you know, get the bikes ready and do a little testing and then they get ready to go. And, um, you know, Greg, I think it's good. I, it's, it's fine that, that we have them at our races and it just gives our sport a little bit more exposure. And I think about all the young girls that might come to the racetrack that can be inspired by uh, seeing females getting involved in our sport, which is, which is great. And we're seeing a lot of that, even with uh, some of the other stuff that you've got here coming up in the news. I think for Michaela, it's, um, you know, last year she, didn't she win every race? Every race. Yeah. So what I, what I'm hoping is that we see her on some other things as well. I know she jumped into the junior cup, I think at the end of the year, did she do a junior cup at Jersey? She did. It wasn't twins cup, right? It was, ju- no, it was junior twin, cup it was on a junior 400, cup. Ninja 400. So that's what I am. I, and we both, I, I believe that you've told me, um, and, and it's, it's sad. Cause I'm this year, I'm going to make an absolute point to go talk to Michaela. Um, because I believe she's from the East coast and rides on R six as well back there. I thought that was what I heard. Yep. And is that correct? Yep. Okay. So, um, you know, I'm hoping that we get to see her in some other classes besides just this, because, this is kind of something that she's already done and she's already won it pretty handily. And for the other girls, it's great that Michaela came back because she is the benchmark, right? That's so my point. Go chase She's her. the benchmark. Yeah. She's the benchmark. So, and um, I think if you, if you look at like the first race, I think, cause I haven't really, you know, we don't commentate that, but I keep an eye on it. But I think from the first race where she completely dominated to the last race where she dominated the, 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 couple of girls behind her they did close they closed the gap up a little bit they stepped it up no mm-hmm. i agree with you so um so that's what it's going to require a couple of those ladies need to step up and go chase michaela down and um and you know the great thing about her is she's still young she has a lot of time so she can continue to develop and um get better Dude, on the bike as she goes wicked smart so, too yeah you know at better. 19 she was actually accepted last year she was accepted into um being an air traffic controller and yeah, going to air traffic wild. control school, which is not an easy feat. And then yeah. the opportunity for build training race came up and she talked to her parents about it and they all kind of sat down and agreed, like, let's give this a go. You know, so what's bad. That'll still be there for you. I was going to say when you're, if you're that kind of smart, that, that stuff's always going to be there. And, you know, she might decide to do this for the next eight, 10 years or whatever, and try to chase something, whatever it could be. And, um, and then, you know, go from there, but yeah, great to see her back anyways. Um, Speaking of Moto America, Mallory Dobbs, who was a super sport regular last season, has announced her plan. She's going to the FIM World Motorcycle World Championship, your, or the Women's Motorcycle World Championship. Your thoughts on that, Jay? I actually have kind of mixed feelings about that, but I will say that there was a big announcement that Anna Carrasco has signed as well. So that's going to kind of elevate, I think, the level of exposure. But what do you think about uh, Mallory going there? She'll be the only, uh, the only person from the U.S. represented in the field. I love it. Obviously, Mallory is somebody I've worked with, and um, she's she's an amazing girl. Uh, she's super passionate about getting on a bike and, and racing, and this was an affordable way for her to go racing, and what a better it's way R7s, to go. It's R7s, isn't it, Jay? Like, yeah, it's R7s. Is, is it yeah. stalkers, pretty much? No, I, I don't know. I don't actually know the build. I, I don't think they're out. like full Twins Cup R7s, but I think they're, don't know. they're race modified, yeah. Have to find out with the announcement of Anna Carrasco and as seasoned as she is. I mean, she's already won a world championship in, uh, on the 400s. So she's pretty seasoned girl. Like, 
these other girls now have a real benchmark as far as, you know, kind of like the girls in Build Train Race with Michaela. Yes. Anna's setting that precedent, I think, over at uh, in this R7 World Cup. I think there's six rounds to it. And what it came down to is the affordability. Like, um, being able to go over and do that was relatively inexpensive. I mean, if you remember, Mallory last year raced in Supersport and Hooligans here in America and threw a lot of money at it to do it. And I know she'd still like to do some of the rounds over here when she's not racing over there. I don't know how much of that has been pieced together just yet, but maybe she'll make an announcement on that if and when it comes across. Um, and I know what your views on it are. And it's Eva talking. I had a talk with Melissa Paris uh, not long ago. And, and it was kind of like the, you know, when you get when you get motivated girls, they don't want to race against a bunch of other girls. They want to race against everybody, kind of like Kayla's doing over here right now in um, in in Motor America. I mean, she, Kayla's absolutely one hundred percent legit fast enough to be on the podium um, weekend and week out. We know that she's done it. So I think that that has always been when you get a highly motivated person, they don't want to race just against their genders. They want to race against everybody, but. Again, this is exposing women to motorsports over there. I think it'll be done in the right way. And if we could take the best ladies that we have from each country and get them all in the same place and race against each other, that would be that would be awesome. You know, I think mm-hmm. that would be that that would be good. It'll be interesting to see how it pans out. Our boy Stevie English is commentating it. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, he taught he told me about it and talked to me about that he's gonna get the opportunity to do some of the commentating on that. That's great. I love listening to our boy Steve of English yeah. on the TV. So, yeah. so congrats to Mallory on that. Stoked for her. More riders for the Daytona 200. Um, Peter Hickman and Richard Cooper, also known as Mini Cooper. They're going to be coming on the PHR Performance Triumphs. What are your thoughts, Richard Cooper? Where do we start? That's like This Daytona 200 is getting to be insane. Like, like the people that we know that have been announced in this 200 – uh, you know, Lee Johnson came out last week. He's coming back. He just, he had uh, a horrendous accident at the Northwest 200 uh, last year. And the Daytona 200 is going to be his first race back. So I had already reached out to him. He announced it on his social media that he's coming to Daytona, which is incredible. Hickey coming over. I mean, I think he's won, I I think he's won 13 TTs now or something like that at the Isle of Man. Maybe the most all around versatile guy in the sense that he can, he can ride anything and he can win on the roads and he can win uh, at BSB. I know he's won at BSB. So, um, yeah, Hickey, and he's a good dude. And then Richard Cooper, he's been around since you were doing the BMW. Boxer he's been Cup. around a while. Boxer he's been, Cup yeah, stuff, yeah, right? yeah. He was a teenager with BMW Boxer Cup. That was all the way back in, like, 2003. And he he – has been on a Boxer Cup at Daytona, and back in 03, he was on pole for the BMW Boxer Cup race that I was actually in that race. Yeah, And I, I remember uh, being in the Boxer Cup. We were at Catalonia, and I had the thing leaned over on the engine case, thinking I was ripping balls, and and Richard Cooper went around the outside of me. Yeah, And I was like, there's nothing I could do. You know what I mean? Like, like just just my height and my weight and and Richard Cooper was like 125 pounds of leathers on he? or something. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Really good rider, but it, so it's going to be interesting to talk to Coop because it's been so long. I don't think he's been here since probably 2003 or 2004. So it's so, been a while. Those are three guys right there and then Yark came out, Nico Canepa came out and showed videos of him and Marvin Fritz testing Carl Hanneke is also part of that team. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get three of the Yark guys 
coming over. And I, I guess that was kind of a bonus for them for winning the championship last year in world endurance. So like that's seven riders right there that are coming over from Europe. I think the race is definitely taken on a flare and, you know, Greg, you can't help think about it, but like, it's really dominated my brain the last few days, actually maybe the last week or so with all these announcements of riders and things that this is going to be a huge year for Moto America. It's going to be a big, big year for them. I think our Superbike championship is going to be incredible. Super sport's going to be insane. Uh, I, just look at baggers. Baggers, 18 I mean, races this year for baggers. I mean, these guys are going out and testing data, like testing a ton right now. Um, a bunch of teams that, that I've been in contact with have been out testing. Um, I just think it's going to be a big year. And Greg, I'm going to go out and say it right now that this Daytona 200 that we're about to see in March, I think will be the biggest international race of the year because you're getting people now wanting to come from all over the world. They're putting teams together and the Daytona 200 this year, when you and I finally get to really talk about it, you know, in a week or two before we leave um, the entry list on this is going to draw eyes from around the world um, of who's of, of being in Moto America. And then you have the additions of like a Troy Herfoss coming from Australia, who's Australian superbike champion. We talked about it last week, um, riding the factory Indian. So he's going to be racing in a couple classes at Daytona. The eyes are going to be on Moto America pretty heavily at Daytona. And I think that once they see that race, you know, people are going to want to keep tuning in from all around the world for the rest of our races as well. So mm-hmm. I just think that that all the hard work that the Crave Group has put in and, and all that, I mean, it's we're, maybe we're finally starting to see it culminate into something really good because the 200 this year is going to be just ridiculous. It will be. And there are some changes. If you're a Live Plus uh, viewer, there's some changes coming down the pipe for Live Plus for this season that are incredible. We're going to be giving away some codes and some things coming up soon uh, as well for Live Plus. It's it's new company revamped, and that's about all we can really say about that. Um, of course, Chavi Forez, your number one plate is going to Daytona on an attack Yamaha. That That's going to be something different. Of course, the R6... I believe from the last Daytona 200 to this Daytona 200, there's a modification in the head for the R6. It's going to allow it some more speed. Yeah. What we saw from the R6 was like first through fourth didn't quite match like the Ducati. It didn't, it didn't match the GSX R750, but that fifth and sixth gear, the R6 would, would really go like on top and everything. And I think that there's going to be some improved uh, acceleration from that bike, but I don't really know much about motors. So that'll be fun. Did yep. you see that uh, Trackhouse Racing, which, of course, is the U.S.-based company that owns the Trackhouse Racing MotoGP program with Aprilia? They hired a new team principal, which is Davide Brivio. So Brivio. Um, Amazing. Dude, how came good from, How good is that? Back from F1, Ac- right? He was yeah. in MotoGP, but went to F1. Now he's back in MotoGP. What a great acquisition for them. I mean, he was he was the reason Suzuki won the world championship with Mir. You know what I mean? He was the, the foundation for that. So. That's going to be really incredible to see and and how this whole thing kind of pans out. But um, Justin Marks, who's behind, you know, one of the, the the mainstays behind this whole track house thing. I mean, they're not messing around. And who knows if this MotoGP thing works out? You know, they're already sponsor Hawk Mazada track house does in, yep. you know, in hooligans. Maybe eventually we'll see them enter a bike in the States in a couple of years. So that's really cool. I'm excited to see how that team does. Team Hammerstein, Rossi Moore, Jay, to race their suzuki gsx8r project for the twins what do you think about rossi moore stepping up into the twins category great the kid's been riding really well he's been out of chuck wall a lot i've seen him on an r6 seen him on some other things 
I think there's a couple things that he'll adjust with his writing as he gets faster and better and matures and gets bigger and stronger. There'll be some things that I think that he'll maybe make some adjustments on because right now when you watch him ride, he, he rides very, very hard, very strong. Um, I don't know Rossi. I say hi to him. I haven't really actually had a chance to really sit down with him and talk to him to get to know him. Um, but I, I see him. He's always super respectful, says hello. Um, and it's been good having him out at Chukwala and and seeing him. That's the best part for me in the winter series out there is that you get to see these kids just kind of kind of grow. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's it's uh, it's a lot of fun. And and during our season at Motor America, we might see them in junior cups and things, and then they start to appear during the winter on other bikes. And in Rossi's case, he's been racing a 400 out there, and then he's also been racing an R6 out there as well. And, um, or riding one, I've seen him on uh, a few times. So, um, yeah. So I think for Rossi, it's, it's, you know, it's a good, good step for him. He's going to get a little bit more exposure being under that tent with that team. Um, and they've proven to be pretty successful. I think now it's just a matter of, can they get that bike? Um, can they get that bike up to speed the way it needs to be early? Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, the fact that Suzuki did something I thought was a little unusual personally, which is they've hired two teams to develop that bike. So you have Vance and Hines on one on one side with Rocco going that's with right. the 8R route, and then they did the M4X star Suzuki. You, you, you're not going to tell me that's going to create some competition among Suzuki teams? Like, for sure. Yeah, well, that they bike. need each other. They need each other to push each other, don't they? I think so. Yeah, and I think that's going to be great for the 8R. Um you know, news out today, Michaela Moore was named AMA Female Racer of the Year. So congratulations. We were talking about her. Also, Jay, uh, Avery Dreyer signs with Top Pro Racing for Twins Cup. I mean, Top Pro Racing, dude, is going to have like six riders or eight riders. I mean, it is. It's nuts busy. how big that team's going to be. But they're Avery be busy, Dreyer going to twin, Crazy. Uh, Twins, which is pretty good. Yeah, I think that's... they're, they're going to be busy. And, you know, Ray Hall's testing right now as we te- as we go through this podcast as well. They're in Jennings right now. They're shaking things down three bikes down there with uh with Kayla Yakov and PJ Jacobson and of course Corey Alexander left straight from Chuckwalla. Chuckwalla had on Sunday the track at Chuckwalla was really fast Greg if you looked at, back at the lap times and uh mm-hmm. I think Corey's I think Corey's won every race out there um in the shootout. So it was him and Andrew Lee and Michael Gilbert. So we had some fun joking about that a little bit between you know the fact that you know all the three of those guys I've done a lot with me in the past and continue to do so as far as the coaching goes. But then um, what I was really, really proud of was Owen Williams on the weekend. Owen um, is getting more and more accustomed to that 750 and him and his dad have worked pretty tirelessly to get him where he's at. But he actually ran down Brendan Kettleson, uh, looked like with about four laps to go. And Brendan's a kid that should be doing, Brendan should be in the Moto America paddock. He's that good and he's a good guy. Um, but but he ran down Brendan Kettleson and won his first middleweight super sports shootout, uh, Owen did. So that was like, went 46 flat, Greg, on a GSX-R 750, which is pretty fast. Wow. And um, so you had uh, you had Owen, and then you had uh, Brendan, and then you had Corey on the Ducati. Corey also has a V2 at Chuckwalla that he took delivery of this week. He ended up finishing third. So I thought that was pretty cool for Owen to, to, to win that race. His dad said his personal best... Uh... Archery score at Vegas, by the way. That's, Did he? That's, yeah. not, that's not that's not easy to do when you go to the big stage, dude. Okay. Chad, Chad is like um, one of those guys that you sit back and you watch and you go, "How does he do everything he does?" Everything. Like, like Greg, honestly, I I am the laziest person. Well, no, you're the laziest person, but we're pretty close. <laughs> um, 
And you see, like, Chad, at 8 o'clock this morning, I've already got a text from him this morning about he's picking up some bikes at Cowie for me. It's like they're already loaded in the back of his van, and it's like the guy just doesn't stop. Well, Owen's not his only kid, right? You know, he's got more kids that do other stuff, and he's got a stepson, right? Stepson, that's who he went to do archery with. Mm -hmm. And and then he just got back from Japan, and he's been going pretty hard. So big shout-out to Chad because he's he's a huge help to us in both our garages. And uh, stuff that guy does with Owen, yeah, I don't know how he has any time for himself. So Hey, real quick, um, Jay, Moto E World Championship, Chad Davis. Aruba Saw. Cloud Moto E Racing Team throws his his hat in the ring. What do you think about Chaz's expectations in that series? They're all in Ducatis, and and the, listen, they were. Oh man, are they coming? To, they're not coming to Coda. That sucks. I want to no. see one of those bikes in person so badly. Because I've seen them in person. I was I was on, when I was at Donington last year. It's oh, that's it's right. a it's a weird thing. Like it's a weird thing watching a bunch of those bikes racing against each other and quiet they're fast though g-dub they are fast like mm. corner speeds and things like that they're 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 up there and and for Chaz, it's great i mean look these guys retire and why well, say they retire <laughs> something always sucks us back in doesn't it i mean in the sense that like Chaz was still still a young guy still amazing rider um he could still be doing world superbike i think if he wanted to um but but it was time for him to move on. He felt, and this is a perfect series for a guy like him. Like he's going to get to do how many races do they do? Like six, yeah, eight, six or eight, something like that. So you know he's going to get to do that, and he's got a great gig on the side as a rider coach and World Superbike for uh, Batista and and um, Bulaga this year, I think, and Bulaga, Bulaga, and and so like yeah, he's he's styling. He's going to have a little bit of the best of both worlds. I don't know if he's doing any EWC or not, any endurance stuff, like I think he was last year. Don't know if Chavi is either, and I know you mentioned Chavi. I think they signed. Like I, I thought that that came out a couple months ago that he signed with that team. but Could have. I don't know. I mean, he's going to be on a Yamaha and Daytona, and we don't know what he's going to do the rest of the year. And, you know, does yeah. Ducati care? I, you know, I mean, I would think they would, but maybe they just go, look, if you're on a world endurance team, you can do anything else you want to do for Chavi. Who knows? Yep. Yeah, but yeah, you know, it's I mean, all good stuff. I mean, that's all I have for the news, stuff. Jay. Yeah, well, we got some MotoGP stuff here, and I go, I know Greg got a little bit of a soundbite coming up for us because the MotoGP test. You and I talked about the, that last week a little bit, and um, it's yes. going to be interesting to see how a lot of this stuff comes down and how it comes out. But I know you got a bit of a soundbite from MotoGP uh, the test and um, some things that came right off their website. All right, so we had talked about day one, and this is after day three, and it's something. This is MotoGP posted this on their on their YouTube channel. So I just pulled it off and this kind of sums up basically everything that's happened at the test. And we'll talk about, well, you know what, before I do this, I do want to say one thing. Honda's livery. Did you see the new livery? I did. I thought it looked good. It looks good. Finally, there's something. Yeah. It's busy. It's but busy, it looks, but yeah. at least it's got that dark blue. And correct. It, it, what's interesting is that the Honda is bigger than the Repsol, which I haven't seen that in a, correct. years and years and years. But anyway, finally, there's a big enough change where you're actually going to see a difference. The Repsol Hondas look different this year. You know, over the years, it's been kind of subtle, but the colors are the same. So they I'm look good, though. They I look good. Look yeah. Good. yeah. All right, but anyway, so here's the uh, here's the clip from the MotoGP test that was posted on MotoGP's YouTube channel. The sun has set and the garage doors have shut to bring the 2024 Sepang test to a close. The final day saw some blistering lap times come in with world champion Peko Banyaya tapping the timesheets thanks to a 156.682. 
Four riders in total dipped into the 156s, and all four were on a Desmo Sedici machine as Jorge Martin, Enea Bastianini, and Alex Marquez slotted in behind Benyaya, while Marc Marquez sits sixth on the timesheets. There was even better reading when looking at the sprint simulation times over nine laps with VR46 new boy Fabio De Gian Antonio clocking the quickest effort ahead of Bastianini and Martin. In terms of testing, we saw factory riders Bastianini and Bagnaia work on their full-spec 2024 machine, while Prima Pramax Martin did back-to-backs with his 2023 machine, while he also looks to have made a final decision on an aero package, opting for the latest updates. The final day in Sepang has certainly seen the Bologna Bullets send a massive statement of intent to their rivals ahead of 2024. Aprilia's Alicia Spargaro was the only rider who could challenge the Ducatis on the timesheets, placing P5 overall, while he also recorded an impressive sprint simulation. On the other side of the garage, Maverick Vinales continues his testing program by running with the 2023 tail unit on his new RSGP, while he also had some older fork wings to help apply less pressure on the front tyre and attempt to find a better feeling. Excitement continues to build over Red Bull Gas Gas Tech 3's Pedro Acosta thanks to an impressive showing during the Sepang test. That continued on Thursday as he placed P9 overall on the timesheets while he recorded a faster sprint simulation than reigning world champion Peko Benyaya. The best placed RC16 was Brad Binder in P7 however as the South African and Jack Miller tested the new aero against the old one for their 2024 machines. The number 43 also ran some laps with a front fender wing, while it seems they have decided a shorter lower exhaust and normal top exhaust is their favoured setup. A pivotal three-day test comes to an end for Honda 2, with the Japanese brand certainly showing some signs of progression in Malaysia. Factory rider Joan Mir sits P10 on the timesheets with a lap that is 1.1 seconds quicker than his qualifying effort here during the 2023 Grand Prix. Despite a good showing, Mir has called for an improvement on the aerodynamic side of things, so that will be one to watch out for in Qatar. At LCR, both Takanakagami and Johan Zarco continue to try a number of different combinations on their machines, but all four riders appear to agree that the latest spec bike is their best. Once again, Fabio Quattararo placed P11 on the timesheets and the 2021 world champion has called for his team to target improvements in one lap pace ahead of the Qatar test. The Yamaha star seemed relatively happy with his pace post-testing in Sepang, but hopes to zero in on qualifying performance. Alex Rins continued to work with the M1 and Thursday saw both riders continue trying out different tail units. That's a wrap then for the 2024 official Sepang test. It seems all teams have made big improvements, but it's Ducati who have shifted the goalposts. Two more days of testing awaits in Qatar from Monday, February 19th, and you can keep up to date with all the action on MotoGP.com. All right, Jay, is all hope lost? <laughs> Ducati just dominated again. There are great things coming out of that that little piece you did, and I'm glad you did it that way. Um, you know, for me, Craig, it's the guy was so hot at the end of the year. Is everybody, are we all just 
overlooking De Antonio right now? Like he has I, found something, something and, huge. And and the talk is about everybody else, and that's great for him. I mean, look, this kid did not have a ride. The team that hired him said they didn't want him, uh, that he wasn't going to ride for them. And he goes to the test, and he's quicker than Bedzeki. Um, and he had a quicker stimulation in a sprint situation than anybody else there. I mean, all the talk is on all these guys, and they're still not really talking about DiGiantonio as a threat. Now, I think what everybody's expecting is the fact that, and how they're looking at it maybe is, he had no pressure on him because he didn't have a ride. He wasn't thinking he was going to do anything. And so he was just kind of free for all in it. But now he's jumped on this team with this bike. He's got an incredible amount of confidence. The guy, I don't want to curse him, but the guy doesn't crash. He finishes races. And everything he does looks um, so easy for him, like how he rides. It doesn't look difficult. Like even when he won in Doha, it didn't look difficult for him. And he ran down. Bagnaya in that race and passed him, if you remember. Um, the thing is, that's incredible, is that the guy is just plotting along doing his thing. Um, Acosta looks to be unreal, um, as we discussed last week. I've even read some more things about him, about his maturity in the pit box, is how he gets I saw his that as well. People see were that? just like, there's no shot. He's 19 years old. Like he's Yeah, like, Crafer so- came out praising him pretty heavily. Like, Crafer's like, I don't want to talk about him too much, because I don't want him to feel too much pressure, and this and that. And like, I don't think that anything Crafer could say at this point is going to increase the amount of pressure that the kid has on him because I don't think he really feels it. I think he's another one of those special cases. I mean, like he's drawing kind of the comparisons to Marquez, and I don't really know of too many people in our generation, Greg, in the last 10, 12 years, where we have seen too many people draw that comparison of like, oh, this could be the next Marquez because we know that when Marquez had come along, he was supposed to be the next Rossi, and that lived to be true in the sense of the amount of championships and domination he had. They're saying that about Acosta now. And you cannot help but think, and I read again something this morning about how Jack Miller kind of reminded me of Colin Edwards a little bit. He was never a gym guy, hated the gym, wasn't really like a place that they wanted to be. Colin throughout his career found other ways to stay fit and to do do the things he needed to do on a bike. He wasn't the guy that you were going to see in the gym at 6.30 in the morning doing a workout. Um, But – at the end of last year, after he crashed out of the final Grand Prix at Valencia, uh, Miller said that he went straight to Austria, Austria to the Red Bull um, headquarters, got hooked up with a trainer, and has continued like physically-wise working on his training aspect of things because I think he's the guy right now in the biggest hot seat. You know, Where does Jack Miller go if, if Acosta comes up? He's going to have – a target on the back of Acosta all year. He's going to want to continue to beat him. That's who he's. So in order to do that, it looks like Acosta is going to be at the front. So that's where Jack Miller has to be as well. I think the rest of the test, I think Marquez, Mark Marquez was pretty quiet during it. Just did his thing going through his progressions as far as what they're trying to work on. Um, I also don't think that he has any reason to show his cards, you know, it's full deck in the sense of uh, his hand rather a full hand. Um, so, look, MotoGP is going to be fun. And did I hear that right, that they're testing on the 19th, Greg? So what is what is today? Today's 14th. 14th. Valentine's so five, Day. So that's right, Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, Greg. You look amazing, by the way. Shut up. So there you go. Um, Am I yeah. your Valentine? Is that where we've gone today? Yeah. If I could just draw a nice, nice little heart right on your forehead that I'm looking at right now. <laughs> 
Um, anyways, no, the thing is, 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 um, that was a good little yeah, piece. Happy Hallmark day. It was a but good that, little piece. And I, I think, um, where's the G Antonio's over under for the year for you finishing position wise, what would you I, lay the line at? Like don't championship forget, wise. Yeah. Don't forget to put the half in there. Mm, I'm going five and a half. I'm going three and a half. You think he'll finish top three or top four? I think he'll finish third. Interesting. So I'd go five and a half on that over five under. Five and a half. I would. Oh, well, obviously, you'd bet the under. The over. Uh, you'd no, bet the no. You'd well, bet the under. The under. Sorry, yeah, yeah, the under. Yeah, the under. Yeah, yeah. In terms of like that, yeah, hundred um, percent. You know, I think like the time that you spent on Ducati on Vance and Hines Ducati and Jim Leonard was your crew chief, which was a couple of races, right? Yes. Yes. I remember being just like doing my normal pit reporting thing, but I remember being at a debrief between you and him and him pulling out the, the, the sheets and looking at it and basically him predicting the race, exactly who was going to finish in what position mm-hmm. because he was looking at, you know, I don't know if you remember this or not, but he was I looking at, totally basically, you know, right. The, the, the yeah. average lap times, like over a certain stint, not the in yeah. and out, not the fastest lap time, but what can this person do as an average, and what DG Antonio did by setting the fastest, you know, sprint uh, session time—that's that—that—that that means he wins the race. Like everybody goes out to try to do that. They're not yep. trying to go slower. They're no. they're they're on the proper tires. They're trying to get as much data as they can. And the fact that that DG Antonio did it again is bigger news to me than than one lap time that was done on a soft tire or you know with the power one hundred percent or whatever it is. You know, because there's so many factors now with MotoGP. And I'm like, dude, that is a that's the biggest news coming out of the test is that he continues, and it's uh, dude, it's a lesson. The, the, the problem is it's a lesson that's not going to be learned. And the lesson is, if you believe in a rider and they need a year and a half to develop, give them a year and a half. You know, we're we're, we're at this place now where it was like Digi Antonio had like literally been like, okay, he's out, and then all of a sudden he got it. And his team that he was working with still believed in him. And then it got to the point where, you know, Paolo Chibati from from Ducati Corsa said it would be a crime if we don't find him a ride. Yeah. Yeah. And he's back and And he's and he's he's fast. Yeah. He's doing it. And it's like he's he's um literally just literally come on so strong. He has found something. And again, Greg, it's it's a as a rider, when you get a setting on a bike or whatever that just makes you comfortable all of a sudden. Um, and that's what we have seen from him. And I think it was the last like five or six races of the season. He scored more points than anybody. Yeah. And, um, and he still doesn't get spoken about, like really doesn't get spoke about. He won his first Grand Prix. Um, again, what blows me away is if you looked at Ducati's lineup last year and you were to have picked, there's going to be one rider who doesn't win a Grand Prix this year. You probably would have picked the Antonio hands down without, without question. question. No. And, and he probably impressed me more than any of those guys, especially at the end of the year now, but Zeki's been impressive. Marini had been impressive on that bike. Um, but the Antonio really came on at the end of the year and was showed that he could be the only guy that could really challenge a Bagnaya and, uh, and uh, Martin. And listen, you talk about Bastianini, everybody's saying he's on the hot seat. Is he going to be able to keep his factory job, blah, 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 blah. And everybody's looking at Bedzecki to replace him, but you better watch out. I mean, it, you know, if, if if this keeps going for Digi Antonio, there's going to be a point of the season that we're going to be talking about him possibly replacing, you know, I mean, and, and, and getting into the factory seat. Why not? Ducati's not, they're not dumb like that. If they think that he's got the chops to do it and Bedzecki isn't quite cutting the mustard and Digi Antonio is, why not? I mean, they like correct. him enough to... 
to kind of, you know, throw their, throw their, um, their weight around a little bit and kind of force, you know, so he's riding for VR or for, for, well, for VR 46, right? He is riding for, uh, yeah, he's riding for VR 46. Yeah. 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 Whatever it's called now. It's not Mooney anymore, but, um, we'll know that we'll know that name halfway through the season, but so yeah, I think it's a possibility no matter what happens because there's still this chatter about that team going to Yamaha's and how bad Yamaha. So let's talk about that for a second. So we know Ducati's good. We know DJ Antonio is really on fire right now, and they're going to go test in a couple of days at Qatar. So we'll really get another sense because a, a, a different style of racetrack. But Honda, so Mir goes over one second quicker than he did last year, but he's still in 10th place, one second behind or so. It's an improvement for Honda, Jay, but... Is it season over, or do you think they still have more coming? No, 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 no. I look. I you could never. I could never throw a blanket on on Honda um, as much as they've been shit the last few years. I think that they've been shit because of the reasons that we have spoke about. Though they they chose to go one direction with their motorcycle, and when that guy got hurt, they were literally standing there with you know with like <laughs> yeah mud all their, over their, their face, hand. right? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> so you you sit there and you go. They've learned from that and. That's what Ducati has taught a lot of these teams is we have to find a bike that's a universal package that somebody can get on and ride and and ride well. Um, when you take a Jorge Lorenzo who jumped on that Honda after being on a Ducati and he was literally nowhere to be seen, that really proved to me that they uh, had developed that bike after one specific person. And, you know, Lorenzo was slow to get up to speed on the Ducati too, if you remember, but once he found a setting that worked for him, five, he, he won like three or four races or yeah, something. Three yeah. Three or four I mean, or five at the end of the year. And, and, and then so gets on the Honda and was like, he, and it was right, right back to the beginning again on a Ducati for him. And, um, so look, now they've got Marini, now they've got Zarco and they've got mirror and it's, it's giving them almost a refresh of like, let's start this over and let's figure this out. I mean, Greg, I don't know if, if Jorge Martin doesn't get to that Ducati factory seat going into 25, I don't know how Honda doesn't scoop him up and take him. Cause Martin mm-hmm. is the guy that has proven that he rides a lot. Like how Mark has rode, like he hangs it out. He's not afraid of tossing the thing down the road a few times. Um, he, he wants to be the best. It looks like he has a real, don't really give a shit attitude, which I think you need. Um, but I, I would at no stretch, would I throw the blanket over those guys? I think that they'll continue to make their bike better. And Greg, all they can really go off of right now is how much they've improved. And when I heard that, what was just said, they went 1.3 seconds quicker or 1.1 seconds quicker. That's pretty big. That's a big gap. Mir went 1.1 seconds quicker than he did last year. And the thing you can do, and, and you learn this and you you learn this in any sport, um, you know, the two that you and I play with golf and archery, we can only do the best we can. We can't control what other guys do. If we we could have the best day that we could possibly have and still get beat. And right now they have got to look, I think, at small victories in the sense that they're seeing and showing improvement on their motorbike with the lap times that they did compared to before. And the fact that the like the fact is like I said, the goalpost had been moved a little bit more by Ducati, that was inevitable. I don't think anybody would not have expected them to go quicker again. But now it's going to be a matter of let's keep plugging away on this bike and get it better and and um, and then kind of see what happens with it. And the other news is Yamaha. They were only a couple K down, so they found something either in the engine and the arrow or you know the combination of the two. But I'm going to take a wait and see attitude about Yamaha and see what happens. 
I think that um, the Yamaha thing is interesting to me. Renz was relatively quiet. They've come out and said that the progressions that he went through with his work were really, really good. And I think that he's very knowledgeable. I think that him and Quattararo could work very well together. They both seem like pretty chill guys that don't wouldn't don't and really wouldn't have anything like beefs with each other. Like let's get this package better for the both of us. I think that that would serve them both well. Um, and 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 when you sit there and you think about like when you sit there, Greg, and you think about the available seats that are out there, those guys really need to make do with what they've got and try to to do as good as they can. I think for Rins. I mean, if he could win a Grand Prix this year, he'd be the only guy that's ever done it three consecutive years on a different brand of motorcycle, which mm. that's a goal. And, and there, you know, there's going to be places where the Yamaha is going to be good. Um, and yeah, go from there. I mean, I think, I think that, I think they'll both be all right. Exciting couple of days for some, some pang. And it told us, I think a lot about what's to expect. It's not locked in just yet, but these next tests will really give us an indicator of where we might be. But I think all eyes on the development of those two bikes that have concessions because Honda and Yamaha are going to get to test a lot more than the other manufacturers are going to test. And it's going to be interesting kind of to see how it all unfolds. And, you know, listen, I hope the track house, you know, the American team does well as you know, and, and does well with the Aprilia's, but yeah. And when you look at it, Greg, I just, I pulled it up just so that you and I, um, cause I wouldn't have known this, but, this is their, I think this is their final MotoGP. This is the final test mm-hmm. for them. They go to Qatar uh, February 19th and 20th, and they open their season the 8th through the 10th at March. So while we're at Daytona, that's the first weekend of MotoGP. Oh my so, God. So yeah, that's going to be pretty wild for you and I, because we're going to be down there. We're going to have to get our, we're going to have to get our fantasy league stuff set up and all that. But they, on the 21st through the 23rd of this month, so the 19th and 20th, MotoGP is testing at Doha the 21st through the 23rd. They're going to Portimao for an official Moto E test. So three three days for them. And then at the end of February uh, and the beginning of March is there has Moto2 and Moto3 tests on the 28th of February to 1st of March. So Moto2 and Moto3 kind of get started there. That's where Joe Roberts will be getting back on uh, his American racing team Moto2 bike. And uh, yeah, so... And then before you know it, Greg, I mean, listen, that MotoGP has happened same weekend as we're at Daytona. Mm-hmm. So it's it's all going to be happening pretty quickly, isn't it? Yeah. And then five weeks after that happens, we're at Coda already. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. So we got um, where we thought we were uh, racing wise going Daytona 200 to almost two months off before we get to Road Atlanta. And now we get to throw MotoGP the weekend before we get to uh road atlanta so it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun we got that to be great uh but there has been racing and that was supercross and let's talk about uh what happened in were they the big az right yeah they were uh yeah they were over in phoenix and um yeah uh, i mean look your boy yeah so kenny roxon man kickstart kenny he ends up dominating and he wins by 4.7 seconds on the suzuki the progressive insurance x-star suzuki team over Jason Anderson, Jet Lawrence ends up third. He had to fight for that. Eli Tomac in fourth, Hunter Lawrence in fifth, Dylan Ferrandez, Cooper Webb, Malcolm Stewart, Chase Sexton all the way back in ninth. He's he's kind of injured. Uh, Aaron Plessinger going from you know being up front to tenth place, and this is what happens. Yep. Uh, in the points, it's Jet Lawrence who's one seventeen to Chase Sexton's one eleven. Plessinger is one oh eight. 
Cooper Webb, 107, Jason Anderson, 106, and Ken Roxon, 102. So obviously, you know, you and I were texting a little bit during this thing and we were watching it. Um, so I taste, I text Wygant and I was like, Jay, there's a lot, obviously, like when was the last time the two, like Suzuki had a clean sheet of paper update, right? Like where they right. develop a new bike. And he wasn't exactly sure of that, but he, he sent me, um, 2018 was the last time that that bike had improvements to it, where they gave it a little bit of electronics, like a start, you know, stuff and, and, and an engine increase, like in terms of power and things like that. So literally Kenny Roxon is on a bike that was last touched in 2018. Wow. Beating up millions of dollars of development and that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, what do you, what do you think about all that stuff? I mean, like, you, you know, you, you you get a two, you get a 2023 Kawasaki, not a 2024. Yeah, and to you, it doesn't matter. To me, it wouldn't matter no, either. No, you no, know? no, no. To, yeah, no. It's they're so fast. That's the thing that blew me away. And I know it's been a while since I'd been on a motocross bike, but it's just incredible how fast they are. And then when you start to hear on the telegast, you hear Weege talking about like um, the electronics packages of a bike and this and that, and what they do, what are they, what they've been doing testing wise and stuff. The advancement of advancement of motocross bikes has been huge but then you see somebody like kenny rocks and do what he's doing on the suzuki um you kind of wonder almost greg and i've always wondered this like where does where do we really start to peter out on the edge of development like now now you hear guys talking in MotoGP about like we've got to take the wings away this is getting ridiculous the bikes look like shit and um it's like we've got to start cutting down on the arrow it's ruining racing it's this and that was Arrow like the one one direction that they thought that they could go that was going to continue to advance the sport bigger and better, and now it's kind of backfiring? Got to kind of wonder the same with motocross. Like, you got a guy on basically, like you say, a 2018 um, that we're six, seven years, seven years down now, um, and the bike's winning races still. And it's got the right guy on the bike, obviously, winning races. So has motocross kind of found that 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 tapered off level of the bikes are about as good as we can get. There's nothing really, really new that we can develop to, to do more to these bikes. Like what is it that's happening? And it goes like, you know, you see that you see the KTMs and the Huskies and the gas gas, they're all the same bike. Right. So, you know, you, you, now we got a triumph in there and there's what they said. The triumph's basically a KTM or something like, but triumph developed their own motor. I thought they, they developed their own. Yeah. 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 So, Ducati's throwing their name in the ring now. So, so the development of these bikes, it seems like, um, it seems like when you get on a motocross bike right now, there isn't as big of a disparity as there is between like a Ducati and a Yamaha MotoGP bike last year. Do you know what I mean? Like they seem yeah, like yeah. they're pretty far apart. Or you look at like a Ducati World Superbike to the Honda right now. There's a pretty big. There's a pretty big difference, but you almost feel like any motocross bike could win right now. If you put the right rider on it, I don't really pay attention too much to new bike advertisements for motocross. Yeah. yeah. But a lot of what you'll see in road on the road racing side of things or street bike side of things, it's very telling into how they advertise things. You know, when, when you and I were growing up in racing, you would have a, a, a press launch of a new motorcycle. Uh-huh. And in the nineties and even in the early two thousands, they were still talking about 
you know, wheel size. Like when you started racing, Jay, there were 16 inch wheels and then they yep. went to 17s, then 18s and back to 17s and 16 and a half. And, you know, they were, they were figuring out geometry and they were figuring out how much fork travel there is. And the, the engines are being developed and refined. And, you know, these are older techniques, right? Where people are Correct. actually doing it by hand and now computers are involved. And, and, you know, if you look at the development of bikes and the way they sell them, you have like a GSXR 600 and all they can do with a GSXR 600 because it's you know it's it's like a cable you you know you twist a grip and it opens up a throttle body and it's yeah it's fuel injected but it doesn't yep. really have electronics to speak of it's got a couple maps and stuff but nothing like an R6 or any of these new next generation bikes so everything is we've updated the bodywork but if you look at the bikes that are sold now nobody's really talking about the size of the rotors or the wheels or you know it's all about electronics right like over the last 10 years, it's been, oh, we've added traction control and launch control and wheelie control and high side control and electronics yeah, is faster yeah. and we've updated the EMU. And so I think that what, you, what you're seeing, if you read the tea leaves, is even on the road racing side of things, you know, the, 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 the middleweight bikes for certain have reached their limit of how much power and everything they're going to make, right? And, and it's so, I think motocross is kind of getting to that point. There's not going to be any revolutionary things discovered in motocross one thing you know i I don't see single-sided swing arms coming into motocross but if you're a company like triumph and you can take all the competitors bikes from five years ago and you start developing your bike you show up and jaylick swole who crashes picks the thing up and finishes sixth in its debut that's pretty damn good you have to imagine that once ducati gets into production with their motocross bike and are eligible to come race in 2026 because of the homologation rules that their bike's going to be refined and be competitive right away. Oh my gosh. You got to think so. And right. And, and I how think exciting I'll- is that though, if you're a competitor, Greg, like, especially if you're a young guy right now, seeing all these new manufacturers coming in and they're right now, motocross still paying motocross, still paying still big paying. bucks, big bucks. So as a rider, and let me tell you right now, every one of those riders, every one of those riders um, deserve everything they get because their season I don't know. I don't know of a season from any other sport aspect in the world, in the world, that is tougher than motocross, supercross. Ugh, These guys are doing 30, 32 weekends, thirty-two weekends between between supercross, motocross, and then the world supercross, whatever thing they did at the end of the year. There's like thirty-two weekends out of fifty-two. You think about that. And the thing about motocross and supercross that has my respect is the fact that. They have to test just as hard as they race. So during the week, they're going to these test tracks and they're taking just as big of an um, they're taking just as big of risks during the week as they are on a Saturday night. They have you know? to, right? They have they, they have, have to. to. Yeah. I mean, you know, for those that don't know, and and you can listen to it post race, like, oh, dude, one of the riders, I can't remember who it was, in their post race press conference, thanked their practice mechanic. And they're real mechanic. And I was like, yep. ooh. Like, that was a little rough. Why? Because they, I've heard that a lot, though. Because there's guys that don't well, travel. they're real mechanic. I mean, if you say, I want to thank my, my practice mechanic, which is the mechanic that's at home with them. Like, that's you know, right. like, like Eli lives in Colorado, and there's race teams based in California, but their riders live in Florida. And so what they'll do is they actually will FedEx. Like, I can't even imagine the FedEx bills. They FedEx like a gun case that's that's got forks in it. And so like yep. the factory team will say, we got a new fork spec, FedEx it out. They, the practice mechanic puts it on the bike. They, they test at their home track for two days. Then they go off to the race. 
right. and they have to ride at that level in order to, like you're talking about, Jay, take that risk. That's you right. Know? But all got, I was yeah. saying was, like you would say, that what you probably should say is, I like to thank my practice mechanic and my race mechanic, not my practice mechanic and my real mechanic. Like that was the part oh, that I was kind of like going, like, hey man, take it easy. But on the other hand, you know, I know a kid, um, you know, who's who's a, a, a supercross mechanic now that you know he he raced as a kid. This guy Dalen, he raced as a kid, didn't quite make it as a racer. Went to MMI or something like you know one of the one of those schools. Yeah. MMI got his deal, and he got his he got his foot in the door as a practice mechanic, and now he's in the big show doing four fifty cool. mechanic. You know, so I know that there's there is a lot of pride being a practice mechanic. Maybe some of those are older guys that don't want to travel with the circus. The thirty, I mean, dude, how many how many is NASCAR? I mean, NASCAR is a grind too, right? Oh, the difference though it, with NASCAR is. is is that the top drivers all have private jets and stuff. Well, besides so, all that, besides all that, it's the physical aspect. And don't think I'm disregarding going 500 miles in a car. I just know that 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 um, what they're these not guys going do, home and doing that every single. Oh my week god, they're, they're not something race schedule. Yeah, and you you know you'll see some of those guys though. Some of the NASCAR guys they're going off and racing dirt tracks in the middle of the week at their local wherever. Yeah, so they're staying fun, busy, right? and I get it. Yeah. But but this dude Supercross, the risk is so high. Yeah. And and the grueling hours that they have to put in between their training and riding is just like it's gnarly. You can't. There's no backing off in that stuff. And it's and I you know you make a great comparison there with NASCAR, but I just don't think it's anywhere near as physical as what these it's, guys it's are not, doing. No, it's not. And, it's not because there's a, there's drivers that look like me that have been successful. Right? What are you saying? Tall. Um, speaking of that, before I move on to 250s, because I do want to make some comments about 250 and and, and that you know championship. Yep. How about your boy Ricky Fowler representing? Pretty, he didn't make good. the cut, I don't think, but he was representing with a Troy Lee yep. uh, shirt on I and stuff that. like that. And did you see that the the I saw it on TV the chip and, all and that. putt that he made? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, now he's dude. That guy, like I said, I've got the opportunity to play golf with him, and it was. I played with a lot of PGA Tour players, probably a handful, you know, maybe ten of them. And uh, Ricky Fowler is such a class act. Like even when you meet him and know him and. You know, he knew me from motorcycling, which was great. And um, uh, there was, we we had a ton of friends, like mutual friends that I'd be like, I'd I'd meet or whatever. And they're like, oh yeah, like, you know, Ricky follows this or follows that. And we knew a lot of the same people. He's just a cool guy, great guy. And I thought it was really neat to see him don the jersey that they had done for him with the Gas Gas team. Had done a a cool Troy Lee Designs jersey for him. And he teed off with it on the 17th hole, which is kind of a ruckus atmosphere at the waste management event and uh, in Phoenix this last weekend. Um, so guys will do fun stuff like that. Yeah. Basically on some, most of the time on Super Bowl Sundays, if a guy is from the area of whatever team, a Super Bowl team is in, they'll, they'll don, they'll don a Jersey, but Supercross was in town in Phoenix at the same time. So I think yeah. a lot of those tour guys probably went over and checked it out. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, yep. there's one clip I did see because once, you know, you know, how Instagram works. Once Ricky came up and I saw something, another feed came up where there was somebody in, in a galley, just like that. I don't, I don't know if it's this tournament or another tournament and all these normal golf people are like, Shh, like quiet and stuff. And then Ricky turns around when the crowd started to quiet and he, he pumped them up and got them to yell as oh, loud yeah. as possible. And I thought, Atta boy, Ricky, you know what yep. I mean? Don't, don't that's, let, you know, yeah, he's, he's good. Like seven, that. that's the 17th hole there though. It's, this, uh, it was the same hole, just a different day. Yeah. yeah they've basically have built a stadium around that. Now they built it. And it's this year, I think, um, yeah, it got a little out of control. Like from what I've understood, it's been getting out of control more <laughs> and more. It's like the biggest party atmosphere on tour. 
And um, it's it seems like it's now starting to cross the line. They had to cut alcohol sales and all that stuff because people mm. are just people are ruining it like they always do. Like well, everyone's got to take it. They to must the next, be Eagles fans. Next next step, next level. It's very rude, but thank you very much. Yep. R.J. Hampshire wins by yes. two by three seconds over Levi Kitchen, Joe Shimoda, Jordan Smith, Garrett Marchbanks in sixth, and you know just that Levi Kitchen four points over Jordan Smith in the championship and only one point behind is. Uh, R.J. Hampshire is he only one point back now? One point from Jordan Smith, so it's oh. one oh it's one oh six for Levi yep. Kitchen. Smith is at one oh two, and R.J. is at one oh one. Okay, and Marchbanks is kind of back at eighty seven. And my boy Joe Shimoda is seventy four points in fifth, so he's pretty far back. I mean, he's so far back, he can't get a start. He can't like it. Yeah. It, it haunted him at Pro Circuit. It's haunting him in now on the factory Honda. It's his like, first podium though this weekend, but yeah, he had he was. Is it his first back. podium of the year? Yeah, first podium. Of the wow, year. I would have never thought that. I thought he'd had one. So, but Jay, let's, I mean, let, let's yeah. tip a cap to nineteenth place, Billy Leninovich. Yeah, made it through the LCQ. Yeah, and got himself in. He's getting a lot of love on TV. He's getting a lot of love on forty-one. TV, so. I think is Billy. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. Yeah, he's he was turning forty-one like this week or. Something like he was 40 years old and then turning 41 like this week or something. So and pretty cool. They get, a, they get a little bit of a break. I think a six-week break for 250 West. Is that what it is? Like, yeah, and he's like, I'm so happy. I'm going to get just ride and try to get some fitness back because he was injured at the beginning of the season. Yeah. He got injured, so that's yeah, pretty well, cool. Yeah. It's, so, uh, it's, it's going to be uh, – yeah, it's good to see him make a main event. It's super difficult, obviously, at that age to be competing against all those kids. And like you said, he got hurt. And um, but it's it's good to see him do well. And RJ Hampshire, he he was kind of the. I mean, he's got to be kind of the veteran of the class. You'd think he'd be there for the win. Kitchen's been riding amazing. Um, Smith, I mean, the fact that he fell that 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 was a bummer for him because he was Gone. he was yeah he's he was leading and he had a couple incidents. And you see the one that was really weird with like. The yellow flag came out, and he jumped up into the back of Kitchen. Yes. Yeah, and um, fell again, so that kind of sucked. But, but he did say after that race, like he was like, look, I saw that at the last minute, and I didn't want to be penalized, so that was the only move I could make. Like he took, yeah. he took full responsibility for it. Oh, did he really? That's cool. Yeah, no, that's good. So getting now to the important stuff, Greg, you have dropped to sixth in our championship mm. in the fantasy, but look – it ain't over. Moto Dog six fifty is killing it. Like a thirty three point lead this this late in the year. Did you see where um, he ranks? Uh, o- where he ranked overall? Yes, one hundred and fifty second. Bravo! That's pretty good. Yeah, very very good. Jack's twenty nine. Cody Wyman after that huge week he had a couple weeks. He's third in our deal right now. Desmo had Desmo Bro. I don't know if they know each other. Um, they're fourth and fifth, and then you're sixth, and Simon is seventh. I know. And and I hear about that, by the way. I do hear about that. So he's in seventh. I'm looking to see. Yeah, yeah he got Norton's he got eight 14. points on me too. Did sign? Did he? Yeah, last week. Yeah. Well, I mean, I look. There was one point I text you like was like three laps in. I'm like, if the race stops right now, I'm going to crush that. it. And you just reply back like, ha ha ha, or lol, or some crap. Well, I'm you like, said something about like if Tomac gets past right now, it's going to screw me, and mm-hmm. and it did. So. It did. It's hard right now to pick winners. Like, again, way, way off on my prediction. I figured that Jet Lawrence was going to win 13 races this year. And I don't see that now. Like, it's... um, Dude, Moto, Moto Dog picked Roxon to win. Roxon won. Jason Anderson second. <laughs> Jason Anderson won. Jet Lawrence third. 
or I mean, you know, whatever, you know, yeah. so one, two, three. Yeah, and then him. he had he had Eli in fourth, but Eli got fifth, so he got points for that. And then he had Amazing. he had Hunter and Malcolm, like fifth place and eighth place, but he had Cooper in there and Dylan Ferrandis. So seventy seven points. I mean, dude, who picks Ken Roxon to win? Pretty you impressive. Know? Like Jack's yeah. nine Jack's twenty nine did got got Kenny Roxon for the win. I mean, those people that have picked Kenny Roxon for win either. <laughs> You're so lucky, and congratulations on being lucky, or you are so incredibly dialed in because pretty good. It, ultimately, it was that start that Kenny Roxon got that got him that got him that win, right? Like he, if you look at the start of that race, he got swallowed up there for about two or three seconds, but just had an inside line and got off that corner the best and went to the lead, and then he never looked back. Yeah, pretty good. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Well. I anyway, join it, join way, us. I'm it's, all the way down to 39th now, bro. Yeah, I'm nobody not, cares about you. So Rock, the RM Fantasy, <laughs> rmfantasysx.com. Go check it out. You can go check out the Greg's Garage Pod with Jason Pridmore. That's our league. All right. So you want to jump in, you know, get in the mix. Um, it's uh Dunlop tires for the win for second, for third. We'll tell you more about that. A Rye helmet for the win as well. And we might have some other prizes for you. I'm looking at some of the names again, Greg. In terms Mo- of like the people in our Mo- league, Moto America sloppy sprockets. I love that one. Pretty good. And then there's I'm, I'm like, se- listen, I'm second in our. You are. You're Uncle killing Skip's the other one league. too, aren't you? Where- I'm doing okay. It's it's two fifty six to two forty one. Simon's in that league too, and he's right behind me. He's in third there. Yeah, Time I'm in a win. couple of them. I got I got Seymour Butts. Seymour uh, Butts is in sixth. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. C. Letter C. More B U T Z. Thanks, Greg. Um, now I will say this for Rex Rainey, who's in that league. This is the league that you guys, this is our private league faster than Wayne. That's his, that's his, yeah, uh, it's great. Is the Rex yeah. is like, he's got, that's pretty good. At least I'm, my boy, Steve Anderson, who's in 11th place archery guy. He's uh, ahead of you by a couple. So that's good. Is he, I'm in a league called hands off my Harley Davidson money and it's <laughs> Kyle Wyman, Raspoli and Cody, but see Cody ruined the league now because he had that one week, and so he's just crushing all of us. And then Raspoli's got one called Hog and Friends. And, oh, my God, Simon Barrett's actually leading that. You'd be leading it, Greg, if you were in that one. I, it, Raspoli doesn't – Raspoli and I apparently aren't friends anymore. He never reaches out. Is that right? He's a Florida guy now. He's just not a Massachusetts or New England guy anymore. He's just not a – he's not thinking of you. Ah, I don't blame bad. him. I don't. Here I am off doing my archery stuff. Oh God! Hey, I've done. Hey, I've, I've done pretty well. I mean, I think that my discussion with you last week about archery, it must have done, it, it rang true. Like state indoor championship this weekend. Yeah. You said you're coming out to California. Is that where you're coming? Are you coming out this way? Mm-mm. Oh, I thought I read that in your text. So, um, well, cool. Well, Wrong next guy. week, next week we've got Wrong we Valentine. Don't, Jackass. don't really have don't really have much this weekend, do we? So. We'll start focusing on uh, start focusing on Daytona here Ho- soon. Yeah, hopefully they'll World? give us permission to start talking about that entry list that we have, which we're not. Well, yeah, but the about. thing is, is that if teams have come out and said they're coming, that's out yeah, for yeah, public yeah, yeah, knowledge. Yeah. So we could talk about the teams they, that, Moto America just doesn't want us to talk about it until registration is closed. Closed. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, but I mean, what I think, I think this weekend, Greg, um, World Superbikes testing. And so I think that we should try to get Uncle oh, Stevie in, in Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get Steve we on get, next week. We'll get, get Uncle Steve Stevie on next week for World because Superbike. Because the 23rd, 24th, 25th, which is in a week and a half, starts off their season at Phillip Island. 
That's right. I mean, so, we yeah, are well, on if, top as long of as it. Steve's still around. No, he's already texted. We've been going back and forth. Are you home this weekend? He likes me, so he texts me every day almost, like unlike mm. yourself. What's that now? <laughs> What's your plans this this weekend <laughs> or the beginning of next week? I was actually really hoping to go ride um ride Willow Springs on Friday. I was gonna go ride Willow Springs with Troy Simmons on Friday, but I don't think I'm gonna have a bike together. I've got a new bike coming and I don't think it's gonna be quite together. And so I don't think I'm gonna be able to go there. And then we might get some rain. I was gonna go to Let's Ride on Sunday, Monday. But you know, Greg, I'm going to be gone so much this year that a weekend at home will kind of be welcomed. Well, I know so, Steve's got to get off from the UK to Australia, so let's work around his schedule. We might have to do it early next week. Well, no, I've already been talking to him, so yeah, he's going to be—he's going to be getting out of here. And um, I think what is today? Today's Wednesday, so I know Alex and Sam left today for Australia, Lowe's. So I know that everybody's on their way there. So oh, it so is, we might have to do it with Steve while he's in Australia. That's what we'll probably end up having okay. to do. Got it. Yep. So the time differences will be a little bit different, but we can figure it out and talk to him and get it going. And uh, okay. man, great podcast today. Good catch up on some stuff. And it's it's really starting to get that time of the year, isn't it, G-Dub, where we had a weekend off of Supercross this weekend, um, I believe. I think yep. they take a week off, uh, which you're all lucky because I was really going to smash it this week in fantasy. So you know. <laughs> we're so lucky. Thank goodness. Um, but yeah, so no, uh, week off in Supercross. It's going to be a nice little downtime weekend, possibly. But uh, for all of you out there, it is Valentine's Day. Spend it with your significant other, whoever that might be. I'm hanging with mom today, doing my thing with her. And uh, I hope you have a great day too, G-Dub. And enjoy your gift from uh, from your brother. Greg got something very special in the mail over the week, folks. That I will a, never be, uh, never be with posting a note, on social media. With Nothing. a note that basically... Did the note not come? Did the note not The get note there? did not arrive, but... But Jeff White told me what the note said, which is from the cool. Chuck Walla group gang. Yeah. Stop talking about archery on the podcast. There you go. And I think that that is pretty much from everybody. Now, it's not coming from me, G-Dub, because I love it when you talk for hours upon hours about archery. It's very intriguing stuff. 